Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of Paint the Town Podcast, episode 199. What's going on, bro? Ooh, man. Uh, rough week. Rough week. Um, Sorry to hear, man. What happened? Oh, dude, it just makes me, uh, <clears throat> you know, stronger once it's uh, over. You know what I mean? Uh, mentally stronger, you know? Well, that's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Um, you Helps know, some... you to appreciate those good times better, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. Well, the, uh, the wife, um, she, uh, you know, she's been having some health issues, but, uh, we, uh, took care of him with a little surgery, um, Thursday last week. And, uh, so I've been having to kind of, you know, um, take care of things, um, for a little while until she's, uh, up and running again, but she is, um, much better now. Um, so she likes to keep things kind of private, you know, when it comes to her, her health and stuff like that. So I don't want to really want to say much about it. So. Yeah. Well, we all wish her the best and, uh, you know, I'm glad, uh, you know, the surgery went okay. And, um, but you know, you were holding up, uh, a little cap there in our intro. Man. What, what is that? Tell, tell the audience a little that, bit. That, um, developed out of one of the things that I'm working on right now. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> Don't want to talk too much about the the big project that I'm working on, but this is actually part of it. Um, would uh would you like to see the city? What do you mean? <laughs> Not L.A. Um, I uh, so I basically you know kind of made the outside of my studio uh, look a little bit more like a a, a school and. Um, I, I made like a little bell tower, but it's hmm. uh, it's not really a bell tower. It's a uh, spray can tower. Uh, here's the uh, here's the picture of it right there. Nice. Man. Now, a normal size spray can just looked too small up there in the uh, spray can tower. So um, I had to make a little bit bigger spray can. So what I have here, if you look, um, you got like a regular Montana 94 size can right there. It's about 11 ounces. Then you have a go spray paint, which is 16 ounces. And then you got the city, which is 60. You know, it's just new fun way of saying 60. You know, the way the kids do it these days. But um, so I made that to go up in the the spray can tower. Nice, Um, man. I like the whole... um school theme it obviously fits a lot with teacher right so uh yeah so anyway the the little uh batman thing um i was working on the spray cap and it just it was too big for the spray can so i kind of started messing around with it and uh oh heck where did those go anyway you know those little picks that have uh, floss on them uh maybe don't anyway um had a couple of those sitting around and so i decided to make a uh bat fat cap um <laughs> and it's just like basically it, a couple of these little you know uh pick floss things cut off and glued in there and uh, a little bit of paint and a little bit of um bondo i usually use magic sculpt which is like a, a compound that you mix like two clays together and then it hardens within about an hour and a half and uh, 
the stuff that I had was was old and wasn't working. So all I had was some Bondo. So I just it's it's a little bit abstract, you know. Usually I'd make it look more perfect, but this was kind of fun looking. So uh, no, no, I left I like it like it. that. I like it, man. Um, so that's the uh, what is it called, David? That's Chilwell. the bat cap. He did a uh, he did a Batman, and it kind of looks like that. Oh yeah, yeah. You remember? Yes, I know which one you're talking about. He was doing some uh, some watercolors, I believe. And uh, oh yeah, that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So, <laughs> cool, man. But um, I don't want to let our guests wait too long, man. Because oh no a, way, no, we absolutely not, man. We do, man. I, so, I'm really, uh, really stoked to have him on. We're gonna go ahead and bring him on, man. Hey, there you go. Cheers. Welcome. Scott. Cheers. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yo, thank uh, you so much for uh, being with us today, man. I really appreciate your time, man. Um, it's a great honor to have you, man. Huge. Yeah, thanks. Huge it's an honor for you guys have, to have, bring me off. Um, we have, you know, we've been doing this for a while, and I've actually been doing graffiti for about 12 years now. And while I know a lot about certain things, one of the things that I do not know is um, a lot of names of, you know, uh, OG graffiti artists um and a lot of names of crews and stuff like that and um i uh <clears throat> i know that someone like you i've seen your instagram which is amazing uh the work is just really really amazing but you also put up some old pictures and uh you know you're, you're calling out some guys who used to work you know used to spray with and everything and i just you know that it, it amazes me um you know that uh i guess because when i got into doing graffiti I was already really busy, a wife and two kids and everything. We're flipping houses and I just didn't have time to get to know other artists. And so, um, you know, uh, it, I think it's good. I think it's good to know other artists. I think that helps you out when you're developing and, and becoming, you know, more of an artist and everything. Um, how did you start getting to know um, all the, the artists that you know? Well, um, graffiti writing in LA um, in the early periods of time was um, was based around breakdancing and hip hop and, and MCing. So, uh, did you ever do any breakdancing? I did a little bit. I did a little popping, a little breaking, but um, physically, yeah, I wasn't cut out for it. Yeah, I was. I just uh, yeah, I didn't have the build. It took it took a certain build to really be able to. Uh, to, to you know you're an, you had to be an athlete you know and at that time I, I just wasn't you know in an athletic shape and you know I, to be honest I you know I liked the art to smoke weed and drink and stuff like that so you know I was a little bit lazy to I wasn't that disciplined physically and so um you know the graffiti is kind of what caught my eye and so in those when I started basically you had just breakdance crews that would have a graffiti writer a very very limited amount of writers and so you would just kind of see it in movies record covers backs of jackets of b-boys and things like that nice. um later on though once the bus scene came in that was in 1986 um when it really started going and when kids were riding on buses it, it was like transpo they were catching tags on buses and that's when um it got really exciting you know um kids because now your name was traveling so it was a lot like the way the subways were with uh in the early days they were writing with markers on subways and just all over the place and then that kind of spawned a craze um Yo, can you take us which eventually um because i always like to talk about the music and uh the right uh, you know and the art at the same time like what records would you listen to during that period of time coming out of the boom boxes with these uh b-boy crews Okay, well, Jay Ski, who was my mentor at the time, he was the leader of the Psych City Rockers. That was our local crew. Um, he he put me on to some, um, you know, he was a DJ as well. He was multi-talented. He could break dance. He could uh, DJ. He could do graffiti. And so I remember some of the records he has was like had was like Knights of the Turntables. That that's yeah. DJ Aladdin and those guys out of Carson. Uh, he had um, UTFO. Uh, Houdini, like their early stuff, you know, like yeah, um, Run, definitely. obviously Run DMC, you know, that was like a commercial thing. But, you know, he had a lot of underground 
um, uh, records like Egyptian Lover. That was a big uh, popping, you know, in LA. We would pop to Egyptian Lover. That was a good song popping. So so it was like Um, a flow, basically, like art and also, uh, you know, writing, basically, right? So please continue. I just wanted to kind of give the audience a little bit of a, you know, background idea of like kind of what the vibe was, but please continue. Yeah. Oh, the the vibe was exciting. I mean, every block you had kids, um, or every neighborhood, just like, you know, areas where kids, kids would gather, uh, they'd have their cardboards out, they'd have their boom box, they would be practicing. And then there was constant competition, you know, there'd be little battles, uh, kids would, would show up at different high schools, you know, you'd show up at a challenge, other, other crews. Right. Into each other. I'm sorry, uh, still, how did that get organized? Like a battle? How do you organize a, a graffiti battle? Um, well, what, what in graffiti, uh, it was a little different. Now that, that, that was breakdancing now graffiti battles that usually when it started happening, um, the very first one was at the Belmont tunnel. That was a, a, the first famous one. And that was graph one in Shandu. And these were from those days, they were very primitive artists at the time, you know, looking at back now, you know, it was very primitive graffiti breakdance style. And they they uh, went on a raw wall. They didn't even know how to primer a wall back then. You know, they just went with spray cans right on a raw wall. And and uh, and uh, that was like a you know it was legendary. You know, like people would you know it was like ooh ah you know because breakdance crews and graffiti writers uh, naturally the the they would have become like local celebrities or heroes. So you know you had like all one side of town or a whole block area cheering on this one dude that they had that was their pride and joy just like a boxer you know you know the way like you know pacquiao is you know and you know what i'm saying and stuff like that yeah, or like you know absolutely you know what i'm saying though some of the mexican boxers or whatever right they become like the pride and joy of that community and the graph writers the same thing and and so eventually you know the talk would go back and forth just like it will build up for a fight right like you know like people would say well oh i bet you you know like skill could take so and so whatever and then um, what would end up happening and be like, okay, then, you know, there'd, there'd be sometimes, you know, you'd, there'd be a middle person that kind of knew both people. And and, and then um, sometimes a dude would be kind of talking a little bit like, yeah, you know, whatever, I could serve that guy or whatever, right? And so that would get back to someone. And then that person would be like, oh, they think they can serve. Well, well what's up? Let, you know, why don't we have a little battle, you know? And it, it was, you know, kind of a spinoff, you know, like uh, off of the, the general hip hop culture, you know, you MCs were, were battling regularly, break dancers. And so it was natural that graffiti writers would also, you know, uh, compete, you know, and so there was some legendary battles. I took place personally in one, two personal battles um, and two crew battles. So, so um yeah, so I have experience in battles, did, and, uh, and they're, they're rare. They don't happen. Well, um, what one of the battles that I had um, was against a was against a kid named Crush, and it, it was it was just kind of a spontaneous um, battle. I I was faded, I was drunk, and I happened to walk into a yard where I had a piece running, and he was there going over my piece, and I was. Yeah, and so I was kind of drunk, and, and so I said, you know what, let's battle, uh, uh, you know, and and, uh, and I said, uh, let let's uh, use uh, two colors, let's uh, let's just go, you know, a light and a dark color, uh, let's in ten minutes, let's see what who could bust fresher, you know, and so I took a silver and a black, and I I, I did a wild style with a character incorporated, and the guy was doing like a blue, a light blue and a dark blue piece. And it was just really simple letters. So, you know, I after I finished, it was like 10, 15 minutes, whatever. I, I walked by him. I said, all right, well, time's up, you know, whatever. And, and he's just like kind of, you know, I was like, you know, looks like you got served, brother. You know what I mean? Look at that. You know what I mean? Look at that. That's so cool, and it, man. And then I walked away. Well, but check this out. Later on, it, 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 it so happens that after I had left, this guy took more colors and, and did up a, you know, you know, went beyond what we had like talked about and then went and claimed that he had beat me. So, you know what I mean? Oh. So that, 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 yeah. So that was kind of, wow. you know, but then later on, interestingly enough though, after we both got better, both he and I late years later, uh, and once our crews were really going too, um, we ended up having a, a, a battle between our crews and man, we served them bad. 
And so, so, so on that one, like, you know, that one, you know, that made up for it. That, that just, you know, made, you know, solidified, you know, that, that whole situation. So, you know, I'm just right. thinking back then they didn't really have cameras or, you know, video cameras on our phones like everybody has. So, you know, it was kind of hard to prove that it was done when it was done. So, you know, if he went we took back. Pictures. No, we took pictures. Oh, and, okay. and this was, this is the way that we did it back then. We, yeah, there were no digital cameras. We carried these little, We'd, we'd steal these little cameras called 110s. They were these little square blocks. Oh, I know. And, yeah. and you'd put a little cartridge in there and then, you know, and you and take, they were horrible pictures. They would come out all off, <laughs> you know, like what you seen in the viewfinder was not what was going to come out on the developed exactly. picture. You know? Yeah. Then later on, um, some some guys, you know, got a hold of 35 millimeter cameras. So they, they have to put the roll in and everything and they will get the roll developed. Uh, there were, um, and then there, we, we we really liked was when they came out with those disposable thirty-five millimeter cameras that you could just yeah. get from the store, and we would use mm -hmm. those, carry those around, take our pictures, whatever, and then to develop them, we would take them to the supermarket. There was like a little kiosk, and then uh, you'd just fill out an envelope, throw it in there, and in a few days you'd come back and they would be developed. So it was free because they let you help yourself, right? And so we literally helped ourselves and went through the drawer and just got all of our all of our pictures and just kind of stuffed them and, and took off, man. And and that's how a lot of graffiti pictures got, you know, preserved, you know. Nice. And that's probably why so many got lost as well, you know, because when you're just using that little camera like that, it's oh, so yeah, many got track lost. of that. Well, so a lot of those cameras would get lost, and then some, sometimes uh, you'd get bumped up, you know, when you were doing illegal graffiti and you got caught or, you, you know, you're running and, and, you know, your backpack got separated from you. The, you got cameras were lost, you know. Sometimes other kids would steal your pictures, you know what I mean? It was, it was just like, uh, it's it, you know, whatever survived today certainly uh, doesn't represent at all. There was a lot of graph done that, that was never photographed or was photographed and was lost. Yep. Personally, you know, I, I've, I've probably lost like 250, 300 pieces that, that are they're gone in time, you know. Oh, my God. So, yeah. You know, we kind of jumped right into it today. And um, I was just thinking, like, you know, let's kind of bring it back. We, we didn't really even get to introduce you, man. Um, you know, <laughs> this is skill, skill Rock, ladies and gentlemen, man. We're, we're kind I don't of, want to waste the guy's time, you know so what I mean? Like... to talk to you, man. <laughs> but let's kind of bring it back, man. Like, uh, you know, uh, it, it, you know where where did you grow up like we talked a little bit about beforehand but like you know tell us a little bit about your 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 family man like uh you know um where did you grow up and everything like that i grew up in la you know the child of uh of an la story you know a couple of immigrants from different countries that got met in la and got together and had us uh grew up poor and uh you know on the wrong side of the track so to speak and literally when i went to school a street divided whoever lived above that street was like cool and whoever lived below that street was not cool and so you know those of us who were considered not cool uh because of where we lived whatever you know we we you, you know got into our you know we just were i guess considered the outsiders and so we developed you know we obviously grew a fondness for for finding alternative uh, culture you know we you know rather than going the traditional route of like uh being the preppy guy with the with the football jacket and all that stuff you know we you know um the original, up, you know, the doing hip hop culture the counterculture exactly exactly that's where we went i like that and now can you yeah. tell us a little bit about um uti crew basically because uh you know um wait a second wait a second so when what was your first crew that you were a part of, or did you okay, start a crew? Question. How did that how did that get going? Okay, so after the Sex City Rockers, you know, because you know the breakdancing thing kind of died out and whatever, and, and but graffiti kept going strong, and um, we, we we took it to transit from that point. So it was all about being out on buses and stuff, and we were getting and getting up, and that, that getting up means just getting your tag out as many places as you can, um, and so. We, me and Snap, you know, that's my partner, and he be, my, you know, basically became my brother. And my parents basically adopted him after his mother passed away, and he was like, oh, going in and out of the, the juvenile system and all that. And so my mom kind of took over, and, and he would stay with us whenever he was free. And, um, and we, we started the crew, UTI. You know, we, we wanted to find a name that was original and different. A lot of crews at the time kind of had similar letters. 
UTI was really different, and it also represented we we were a little different than your traditional hip hop crews. We we were first called under the influence because that's what we, we were partying all the time. Nice. So we were at a young age. We were you know we were out, we you know we loved to drink and party and, and smoke weed and hang out with people, meet people. So we weren't as as competitive as a lot of crews, and so we. <clears throat> We would rather party with you than you know nice. than than like have that. funk with you. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, I like that vibe. Yeah, and it was a cool vibe. And as a result, a lot of uh, individuals from different that were graffiti writers from different areas that really weren't tightly connected to a crew or were loaders, but were good dope. Uh, we ended up kind of becoming a gathering place for all of those writers, and we kind of became a Knights of the Round Table, so to speak, having nice. a lot of um, kings from different areas and stuff. And and you know, we all vibed really cool off of like you know, like I said, we could we could we could party, you know, and we we would throw parties back then too. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, I don't care how good you are if you're not having a good time. What's it? You know, what's it worth? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. It was from back in the day, how was like gang culture intertwined with graffiti culture during that period of time? Like, was it separate or was it kind of like, uh, you know, how was it back then? Look, everything in L.A. is touched by the gang culture, no matter what. When you grow up on a local level, when you're born and raised here, because you have neighborhoods that have traditions and, and, and grandparents that were in, in that neighborhood and, and had pride in it and were, were part of clubs uh part of gangs and, and and you know neighborhoods they you know they weren't even called we wouldn't call them gangs we just called them neighborhoods you know barrios you know in spanish and so um you know like i said i have friends that that had grandparents from it you know and and you know there's already great grandparents and things like that you know so it goes back to you know the 30s to even the founding of la i would say and um and so there's a process they call westernization and it happens to it just happens to to, to people that migrate to la what ends up happening is that uh usually and this has been researched is like kind of la is like whoever ends up being like the newest immigrants on the block or or cult um so it could happen it's happened like let's say with the filipinos when they started moving in they eventually got affected and started Filipino gangs. And it's because sometimes what happens is that the new group kind of has to do that to defend themselves. And then so as they gather and become like, you know, start uniting and forming these gangs, as they start going to jail, the the dominant gang culture of the jail, they start picking up on that, you know, and, and, and the, the lingo, the dress. So it's happened to football teams. <laughs> A lot of gangs started to football teams a lot of crews got mixed up in other words that 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 it's a powerful spirit and it absorbs uh groups sure. you know and and um in graffiti's been totally affected by it like that's why in LA it's a bit different than in other cities in that we actually had something called tag bangers where there were graffiti writers that were really in all aspects just kind of like gangs you know and so uh, it was just a really violent era that was in the early 90s yeah, you know, and that it's also hip hop in general in LA, especially got affected a lot because of the music had changed. Also, where gangster rap started being uh, played more and everything, and that did a lot to influence a lot of people too. You know, when I see a lot of like, uh, you know, maybe just like one color old English style kind of like tags and things like that, I I, I normally assume it's kind of like more like gang culture in that, or is that kind of just like, um, yeah. Yeah, am I wrong to assume that, or is that? Well, kind of from what I've heard, like I said, we're, um, you know, there's certain aspects of graffiti that we're not very knowledgeable about. But um, from what I've heard, usually a gang graffiti type is not that decorative. You know, it's it's more or less just getting the letters up, right? Well, no, there's a there's gang graffiti has its intricacies and it's it's got uh, it's got its technique and 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 I would say it's on par with any any other type of writing. Um, a gangster's hand to mark up their territory. I mean, they've developed over time um, some incredible strokes and movements of lettering and 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 and, and styles of lettering that's completely unique. Um, and it's been influential throughout the whole world. A lot of people have copied the styles, mm. um, especially in the in the writing fonts. 
Mm. Um, but old English is is definitely within there. But there's been mod now expansions of it and modified versions of of it where it's way beyond old English now. It's a lot more stylized, and and there's even hybrids that combine. Um, the writing with the old English strokes, it, it it's really evolved a lot and it's its wow. own art form, its own genre. And it has its own purists too. Definitely I just find that interesting that you got these guys that are, you know, pretty much killers, you know, like tough, rough and tough guys, but you know, they're giving an art critique on, you know, basically on some lettering, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Well, you know, this, this you know they're, the they're passionate. They're definitely passionate. And, you know, um, I guess that carries over to the to the style of the lettering as well. So that's yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, in, in the in, I mean, think about this: is that you know the the gang culture has its dress, has its lingo, and it has its styles. You know, has its art styles, its writing styles. You know, and um, and it was born in marking territory. You know, letting other neighborhoods know this is where you're at. You know, but it 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 just you know it just got. One gang did something a little better, wrote it cooler than the next gang, you know, did it in their way, you know, and just pushed it a little more. Just like Graffiti in New York was pushed to develop by the amount of people doing it and then the search for something new and better, you know, that competitiveness brought out, you know, in New York on the subway trains, they started out just doing very simple writing, usually a, a guy's name like Billy and then the street he was from like 163 or something, right? And then um, <clears throat> so many kids were doing that that eventually another one would – there came a point where a guy wrote an outline around the tag with another color. And everyone was like, wow. And then afterwards, so the next guy did two outlines. And then the next guy did a bubble. The next guy did a 3D on the bubble. You know, and it was always blowing people's minds. And in the gang writing, it's it's similar too. Like there was – I remember very clear times when – new developments happened in, in gang graffiti that everyone ended up eventually copying and it pushed the envelope more. Mm. <coughs> uh, it's, um, I think it's really cool because for some reason I just thought of it like, you know, I kind of see like uh, a lot of the gang people maybe is think they think they're like a warrior class, you know, and in Asian culture, like warrior class people, they definitely practice calligraphy. So I think that's kind of like, uh, just like something that goes hand in hand, I think, like just because somebody is a like kind of like a gangster or something like that, you wouldn't expect them to really be, um, you know, uh, interested in fonts and lettering. But I think, you know, it's just kind well, of it makes to... sense, though. You know, like I said, that was something that I heard. I don't remember exactly where the hell I heard it. You know, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I forget shit all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, it makes sense that they would be they're passionate about something they're going to be passionate about something else you know so that that makes well, sense they would you know develop more and and you know elevate the the art of of writing yeah but i cool. i think james james was onto something there you know there's the poet warrior right and that's been a a famous trope i guess throughout the world you know there's there's uh I think not all warriors are, are ignoramuses or just meatheads or just, you know, cold killers. A lot of them are, you know, have sometimes in some circumstances have to rise uh, to defend or protect or they're tired of some crap. And then and that causes them to, to it, it pushes them to, to make that choice to, to have to fight. And um, uh, the gang culture here in L.A., I mean, amazing people. There's, there's a lot of very intelligent people, a lot of very um, classy individuals with a lot of morals and scruples. Not all of them were ignoramuses that just did drive-bys and stupid. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were against that, you know, and, and, and drive-bys weren't looked upon as something noble. Um, so you, you street culture, you know what I mean? Like people, especially it, like it's tribal like stuff, right? Yeah. There's, there's tribal territorial rivalries, like there would be in nations or areas. And a lot of the problems, um, you know, started over things that maybe, you know, were done generations before and carried on into future generations or whatever. But over time, you know, people grow out of it and they've learned from it. Just like any war, you have veterans and things like that, you know, that have their experiences and whatnot. And if, but through it, they've learned, people learn their things. You know, you learn your, your, uh, some lessons that are valuable that you sometimes might not learn without going through that, you know? Yeah. Now, about oh, growing, up, growing out of it, man. Um, 
you know, uh, well, actually, let's kind of go back for a little bit. What's the connection with like UTI crew and STP crew? I mean, um, can you go into a little bit about that? Okay, UTI and STP uh, does have a, a long connection. Um, STPs were formed by my younger brothers and my cousin, and um, they were looking up to the UTIs, you know, me and, and Snap. Uh, you know, Like I said, he was living with us, so my brothers knew him as well. And all of the early UTIs obviously would come over a lot or we would go hang out with them and stuff. And so they got to know a lot of the UTIs and they they really weren't on the artistic stock uh, level, but they, they could appreciate it and they, they definitely um, could tag. And so what they did is they just formed their own little tagging crew. Um, and over the years, eventually, uh, you know, developed and, and, and earned their own respect they eventually um, went and, and actually were kings of, of the valley for a while, you know, and, and uh, the whole San Fernando Valley, they were considered the kings over there. They, they were like me, totally had it on lock. Um, wow. And then now, you know, after many years, have even taken it now to the level where they did a lot of, um, started doing a lot of like uh, community murals and projects like that. And uh, so you have different factions of it. Uh, some that some STPs are, are focusing on murals. Some are still bombing the streets, um, like the UTIs. And then we have a lot of cross members over the years. You know, we've like family. You know, we've you know we we'll, we'll, we'll represent STP. Some of us feel like you know they're a kindred. You know, they're like a family crew. So some of us will. will a lot of UTIs are from STP. A lot of STPs are from UTI. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about like back in the day when you and Snap met, man. I mean, um, you know, put the let the audience kind of like, you know, paint a little picture for them, like, and who was like your number three guy? You, you know what I mean? Like, how did that? Like, I'm just very curious about how like crews. Okay, well, uh, yeah. starting off with Snap. Snap was always a, a a cool. Just Snap is like a magical guy. He's a cool guy. He's like the vibe of where he's at. That's the place to be. You know, he's just. Mm -hmm. uh, carries a confidence about him and a style about him that's really fresh you know he's just a fly human being you know and and so uh you know we we would we started kicking it together once we 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 realized we liked some of the same music and we were into some of the same things um you know and, and we we started hanging out and what really bonded us was that um one time we had got we were tagging and right after we tagged we went into a carl's jr to grab a bite to eat and it and someone had called the cops and so they pulled they kind of trapped us in there and then pulled us out and then threw us each in a different squad car and now the cop that had me had said hey your buddy over there has said that you know you guys just admit it because he already said that you guys did it you know did those tags and i said well i don't care what he said I didn't do nothing. And and um, so after a while, they let us go, right? And so I was like mad at them. I was like, hey, man, what's up with that, man? They told me that you you, uh, you, were, you were saying that we did it and stuff. And, and then he's like, what? What are you talking about? They were telling me you said that 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 we did it, stuff like that. And I said, ah. Then we realized. That's the trick. <laughs> yeah. And so we were like, oh, no wonder. Then the, what they were doing is trying to play us and stuff like that. But, Divide and conquer, man. But as but, but more than that realization at that moment what we realized about each other was like we're this is a solid dude like he won't just fold under pressure easily you know and Absolutely. so that that's how that that kind of strengthened our bond and then you know through after that there just kept being more experiences like that like um situations where we'd get in a fight we'd both hold the ground together you know things like that you know we'd back each other up and so you know over the years that just became a, a foundation that we try to kind of like spread to the others like for everyone to kind of try to be solid with one another you know and and, and just have each other's back you know like if we're committed to something let's stick with it you know and be and be firm about it you know yeah I'm always absolutely curious. when you go through an experience like that with cops and stuff and and you know getting in fights and everything yeah that is absolutely a bonding experience you know and yeah. uh when someone performs well under pressure like that you know you get you can't get any better proof than that you know that's yeah. that's when yeah. you see the actual shit people these days they say one thing you know and then they end up doing something else you know but the way you guys met and what you guys got to see of each other, that's totally understandable, man. It's very, uh, very bonding experience. 
for young guys it was it was something cool you know it was it was cool definitely as as young men to to feel that that was cool i would yeah. say it was cool yeah. I think that um, it's really interesting always just hearing like the founders of a crew and their perspective because, uh, um, you know, like you said, you keep on continuing to grow and then you sometimes grow out of it, man. Can you tell us a little bit about quitting graffiti? I mean, you quit for a little while, right? So like, wait, 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 before you get into that, um, there were two guys that I know that were part of UTI. Um, well, I, I actually just met one of them a couple of times. Um, it was Search. And then yeah. um, I also know Drew. Yeah, rest in peace. I actually did a stencil of him. Uh, Drew uh, got in touch with me and let let me know that he had passed on and asked me to, to do a stencil. And so I did a, a stencil of, of search and um, went to this um, gathering that they had for him um, down in uh, I forget what area that is. Um, but anyway, it was uh, it was amazing to see all these guys showing up to show support for a crew member. Yeah, yeah. Search, search was definitely a, a. He was an amazing individual that brought a lot of people together. Uh, search was just one of those real uh, humble guys that that just really uh, any writer. He was very approachable. So young writers, he would interact with them, sign their books, do stickers for them. They trade stickers. He just gave a lot of respect, so he got a lot of respect and uh and just spent years doing it and 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 doing it like in a genuine fashion like just just straight out of passion and uh so when he passed you know it was a very um you could the response was it 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 just really showed you know how much uh he was loved you know and so yeah so definitely search was in you know definitely a, a key uh crew member for sure dude i just remember him um one time in particular uh, we were at some book signing or something like that. And I sat there and watched him write his name with UTI next to it with, without lifting the pen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was all one motion and was amazing. Just blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. A master, master uh, calligrapher, you could say, uh, ghetto calligrapher, <laughs> graph calligrapher, master at that. Master stencils and stickers too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why when Drew, um, you know, got in touch with me and, and uh, you know, told me what had happened and everything, I was like, man, I got so much respect for search. I'll definitely do a stencil with that guy. No problem. But then Drew himself is, is, is an amazing guy as well, right? Yeah. Drew, Drew's not UTI. He's, we are in the same crews from other crews. We're in LA's top, which is one of his crews, his first crew that he ever made. Okay. And then we're, we're also part of X-Men, which is like an international New York based crew. And so, um, but yeah, Drew's a great guy. He's, he's another search like guy, you know, who, who um, is an ambassador, you could say to, to everybody, yes. you know, whether they're non-writers, writers, and a, a very caring human being. So he definitely has that vibe of like, you know, being um, really accessible by younger writers and, and just any writer that, that, that would want to interact with them. He definitely gives them that respect. Yeah, and I know he's been through some tough things, and he just, what he's been through to what he's doing now, that dude right there inspires me so much. Uh, I really, really appreciate him. So yeah. let's get into what uh, James had asked you about. Like, what was, when did you, like, finally, you know, start um, transforming into or developing into your next uh, stage? Okay, well, I mean, there was a lot, uh, a lot of years of activity that happened. So, so when, once the bust era ended, you know, because it, it, there was a time when the buses were the thing from '86 to like '89, '90, because the RTD system at the time did not have a a cleaning system, buffing system that could keep up. So things uh, rolled, you know, they stayed up. And so literally you could become king of a line, you know, you could, you could see your name passing by and be like, look, there I go. There, there goes my name. There goes, and people would, you would see who was up, you know, and you knew what lines they were running. They would get switched and stuff, but, but nonetheless, you could be a king of a line if you were consistent. And um, after that, and, and that was ultimate out of all the different phases I seen LA go through, that was, I think the purest and the, the most challenging because you didn't have cars, you didn't have um, cell phones, you didn't have anything. And you Subway trains. Not even, yeah, and it was just markers, your feet, 
and the bus and people, you know, and the cops and drivers. It was it was like a cat and mouse game where literally like you had to constantly be on the move. Um, once you caught a tag and people saw it and they called it, the cops were already looking for those coordinates and you already had to jump on a bus or walk down and jump on another bus. But the bus drivers were alerting each other. It was a complete cat and mouse game. And it was really complex and, and, and hard to pull off. And, and um, that's why ultimately, like, it's kind of like the New York writers that say, like, it'll never be like the way it was on the subway trains. That's in L.A. It's never going to be the way it was on the bus days. Those were like the glory days. And those were the days of true kings that, that there was no doubt that, that that was a king, you know, because you know the amount of effort that they had to put. They had to be out there every single day ditching school, all their weekends, everything. For years, uh, kids did that, you know, and it, and it was from 86 to about 90, those four years. There were a group of people that were dedicated to that. <laughs> I was definitely one of them. <laughs> after, after the 90s, because I, I knew how to piece, I did piece, I got into piecing and uh, got good at it. Uh, got recognition, got established as as a, as a respected you know piecer. We 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 kind of distinct. We were distinct between people who just tag and bomb and people who do masterpieces or piece. And those are the more elaborate works of art with characters and letters. After right, piecing right. that era, I got in uh, in, the, in the early nineties. I was one of the first to get into the freeway bombing. We started doing pieces and throw ups on the freeways, and that became its own sport with its own competition, its own group handful of people who ended up doing it regularly and consistently. Me and Snap were definitely in the first wave of that. And we were, we at one point were up everywhere. A lot of people remember these days and see, so, so, you know, um, after the freeways, after the freeways, and, and there were some tall buildings involved in all that climbing up on rooftops and things like that, that at the time no one had done. And then um, after that came the tag banging era. And during the tag banging era, um, it started becoming more about landmarks. So kids, uh, for a lot of the older writers, were writing on landmarks. And then this is the thing. Most of the old, the classic piecers by this time that could do pieces, and most of the classic bus riders were gone. There was just a whole new generation of kids. And I was pretty much for like from 90, I would say from 93 to about 2001, I was like the last of my kind. I was the last of the old guys that was still piecing in yards, still getting up on freeways, still, you know, out there knowing who was who and beating the kids, whatever. But what I was doing, I was now entered a phase where, where all the old UTIs had been pretty much gone by, not, by that time. They had been busted too much and had to get their lives together. You know, because just like anything else, I mean, you know, if you 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 kind of to do illegal graffiti, you pretty much have to spend the rest of your life to do it. You know, if you're going to do it effectively and that catches up to you, you know, eventually you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to have a place to stay. You're not going to, you know, it's unless you have like you're a rich person that, that the parents don't care and you have an unlimited credit card, you, yeah. which some kids do. Um, but for the poor writer, you had to get a job, you had to, you know, do something eventually get your life together because it was going to fall apart. It was, you were going in and out of jail, you were getting in trouble, you, you're, you're at odds with your family, whatever. Right. So a lot of writers were dropping off. Like I said, I was the last of them that could go. And that's because I was able to, at a young age, become independent and move out and hustle and get out there. And have places to stay, and then I, and, and you know, girlfriends and things like that, and work. You know, I was already, you know, getting to that level where, where you know, what I mean, like I, I already had my own place and all that kind of stuff. You had the system down. I could roommate with dudes, and we could get a house and all that. And then, and then what I would do is I would make my house like a headquarters, like like I would we would have sessions there. We'd have guys come over, and we'd draw black books black books is like one of the ways that we could share styles with one another writers from different areas we would give let you know share our black books let them do something in our book pass it around and get it's like a little museum like a small little gallery and Absolutely. we each possessed our own little gallery you know um we you know listen to music draw 
go paint together, things like that. And so I was starting at this point was already focusing on the next generation. So at UTI, I brought in like a second wave and started training them. I would see the young writers that had, if they were taggers that they could write good and had like the natural hand style, there was like a certain, there's, you could just tell who has the eye for natural style. And, and I would, and, and uh, I would get behind and support those guys and be like, hey, you know, uh, I like what you're doing, you know, and stuff like that. Hey, you're so so cool, and, and they would be tripping out, like, because by then I was a legend already. So they're like, "What? Your skill? Like, and you, you're noticing me? Wow!" Like, they, you know, and, and uh, so I would say, "Yeah, man, you know, let me get your number. Like, let's let's get together. We'll go paint. We'll do something." And after a while, I started gathering these youngsters, and then we, you know, formed little uh, little crew called TUF, the Unstoppable Force. And that, that's where I started kind of training the future UTIs. And, and in a short time after they got, they'd get good pretty fast. And then, and they would, they would become UTIs. Um, and then a lot of them, they're the little crews that they came from. Eventually, since these guys kind of saw how I did things, they kind of patterned the organization of UTI, the way I organized it, the way that I ran it. A lot of times they would, take that experience and then use that in their little cruise and strengthen their cruise as well. So the Knights of the Round Table continued. Like now we were absorbing in newer generations of newer crews um, that were all part of UTI. Wow. That is amazing, man. That's some good stuff, man. We're I'm the teacher is learning today, my man. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. Some great information, man. Now well, you know, been some years. Tell us, uh, you know, you have a really huge piece. Dude, of, you uh, put in the time, you put in the effort, tons of effort. And you had this, you developed a system. You developed a system of, you know, where to stay and, and how to, to work the system. And that's what you had to do in order to do what you did, you know. But you also got a, a, a you know, just the skill of doing amazing letters. That's something that I struggle with, you know. If I, if I go out and I'm trying to write letters or something like that, I'm not that good. You know, now if you I want really to talk, obsessed you want to, on it, what's that? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Look, I'll, I'll break down a little something that, that, that I share with people. Starts with the tag. You get, just get a paper and write, 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 write all the time. Write whatever your name is or whatever it is you want to tag. Or and first master your name, your signature. That's the, the basis of everything else that follows. That's that, that one stroke, that one line. I mean, even the courts recognize a signature, you know, and it's official, you know, right? And if you look at the old people from back in the old days, like the 1700s, 1800s, you look at their signatures and they're just like these amazing works of art with pen and quill and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so it's the foundation and graffiti is no different. Once you have your tag down and you have the strokes and the feel and you the, the flow, that's where the flow comes. Everything else after that follows. Your letters you will have a natural swing and flow and twist, and you'll know at what points to go thinner and thicker, and and what where to bend, and and you know the stresses of of, of the bends and everything, how to connect things, and and how to just have the movement and the flow. Good letters have flow. It, some people compare it to a dancer. The little the letters are yeah. dancing. They're like b boys and you know, hip hop and you know, flow and waving and kicking and moving, you know, or kung fu. Some people will say that it's martial arts in lettering and that your letters are, are doing martial arts positions and strikes. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of some people in like Rabble Z in, in New York compared it to like uh he compared pieces to his tank tanks and the throw ups were like uh, uh grenades and that the airplanes were productions. I mean he some something along those lines, you know. Um, there's a great there's analogy, ways of you know? at it. yeah, Perfect. but it does. Everyone will agree when you talk to most seasoned writers that it starts with the tag. You master that, then you go to your you know your bubble letters, your simple letters, because simple is harder to do. Readable, simple stuff is harder to do than wild stuff. There's a lot of people that hide style in complexity. They make a bunch of noodles and spaghetti, and we don't respect that. Graffiti masters do not respect spaghetti, like. Um, just wild for the sake of wild does not count. That's like a cheat. It's just, it's hiding stuff. It's hiding style. Style is still has a lot of the structures and remnants of whatever font that that's the legible font is supposed to be retained in, in a good style. Yeah. 
you're you're supposed to be able to make it out you know and and but dress it up in in, in a pleasing and an original way and that's the challenge of true style graffiti letter style is to take a font keep it readable and but yet make it as wild and stylish as possible in an original way and uh, but it starts with the tag you know and and then you know eventually as you work on your letters you work on your letter structures you you know you you you, be, you begin to and it doesn't take a long time it just takes uh regular practice for like three months yeah. before you, you'll be able to 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 pull off something that you know you're going to be happy with and that you're going to feel good about I, I i usually give give it about three months of just solid practice you know but it's a lifetime to master you know you i still tag on paper all the time i'm still perfecting my tags I'm still working on my bubble letter throw-ups i you know I, I i you know it's like a relationship they say that you know like with a uh, a significant other that sometimes you got to retrace the steps like like when you dated right you hold hold look at each other eye contact hold hands again take a walk kiss whatever then make love whatever you know and reconnect rather than just jumping on them out of nowhere you know what i'm saying like like uh, it's kind of like that with graffiti too like you know like you won't yeah. flow unless you're con keeping up with the other things you have to constantly keep yourself warm and that's that's doodle i'm always doodling people the do graffiti are always doodling on napkins on paper uh, sometimes from the scrap papers those ideas those thumbnails end up becoming my best pieces mm. absolutely man can you tell us a absolutely. little bit about um what kind of paint was going on at that time because uh, uh i'm always curious was it krylon or or uh... that was krylon was king for us in the 80s but krylon hated graffiti writers they hated us so they never sponsored us. They never did anything to, you know, they hated Assholes. it. And then what they did is this, they would make it harder. They started changing the formula to this watery stuff. They started um, adding like little male tips and fan tips that you can only use those tips. Like, so, cause they knew that we would switch the tips to our own, you know, unique tips that did certain things, you know? And so once they changed the nozzles and watered it down and then they, they just kept they would lock it up make it harder to access it just became too much of a headache and, and, it, and it just became really to be honest the, the main thing that killed it was the wateriness it just didn't cover it you know it just became like stuff for like lawn chairs or something you know and, and uh so what like arts and crafts type stuff like but i mean on just rookie level like rookie level stuff so rusto kept their formula strong so we moved to rusto uh -huh um rusto kept their they, they 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 even though they did a few things to try to switch their tips too but they still kept their formulas good strong and, and opaque um and then you know obviously years later you know as writers got older and got the know-how and, and 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 figured out how to you know the first very first writer board paints i remember them uh they were like made from at a auto small auto paint makers like there were like certain auto supply stores that had old machines that could do it themselves like you could like get a, a custom color made with these little machines that they had and so some writers mm. got hip and, and they knew someone who had the machine whatever and so they would they would they would get paint mixed like that in small quantities but then eventually somewhere along the line someone got a hold of an investor and said you know what there's this graffiti writers need paint there's a market a huge market and voila, you know, Montana's born and all these other companies that, that you know, are now huge um, that cater just to graffiti. But in Germany, it was one of the first places that, that they got behind their graffiti writers. And they came out with something called Buttlack. And um, Buttlack and, and what was their other one? There was another German brand that that that, uh, that was an early one that, that was making colors for, for artists, for graffiti writers. And uh, and so yeah, so that that eventually came into play. But uh, Rusto was always in, on the West Coast, and on the East Coast was always a respected brand because it was like it always kept pretty consistent, and the and the pressure is always pretty good. It flows. You you rarely get a defective can. Mm. It's always just really interesting. I used Rusto when I was spraying my uh, my stencils. <laughs> it was, yeah. You know, I get it at Home Depot, and it was not near as expensive as the Montana or anything like that. And I'm you know, I, I didn't have to have a special cap to do these, you know, crazy letters or anything like that. You know, I'm just spraying stencils. So as long as it got, you know, some good paint out of that can, it was good for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and of course nowadays, like there's so much to choose from. So it, it's great, you know, like, and I, I'm, I'm totally, I totally enjoy uh, trying out the new paints that are out there and, and everything. But I've always been a person that, um, you know, because of my economic situation and stuff uh, that I've always had to work with whatever I've had. So I learned to actually uh, work with less is more and stretch and make things happen. So early on, I started using buff paint, rolling like house paint. I'd find old gallons, use that for my fill-ins, use cheap dollar cans for outlines. I mean, a lot of my pieces are using some very scrappy materials, you know, and uh, and because I just wanted to get out there and do it. You know, I, I didn't have the patience and time to wait and save and save and save and build up enough to do a big colorful piece. I would just go quickly with whatever I had. But that's my that baby. right there. That right there is a true, true artist. You know what I mean? You can give someone, you know, uh, the best supplies, the finest paints, the finest brushes, and everything, and they might be able to do something okay. Or you can give an artist the shittiest tools and the shittiest, you know, supplies, and he can do a masterpiece for you. That Absolutely. is a true artist, my friend, and that is you. That's awesome. And uh, so, you know, we're going to send you, uh, if you're, you know, whenever you're available, we have a box of uh, ghost spray paint, one of our um, our spray paint that, uh, you know, sponsors this brand that we're, this uh, podcast that we'll give to you, man. So, uh, oh, right on. <laughs> and you know what? Um, I, uh, I was making something for, I, I got this little studio. And um, so I put, I made like a little, instead of a, a bell tower, I made what I call a spray can tower. And wow. um, I, uh, let me uh, pull it up here right quick. But um, when I was making the spray can, I ended up making the this cap a little bit too big. And so I just, you know, screwed around with it and made a made a little Batman, a bat, uh, bat fat cap. Um, so uh, if you like that, that'll be my little <laughs> gift to you. I'll send that to you. Yeah, right it's just on. a couple Thanks, of those uh, little, you know, the, the, the toothpick that has the, um, the, the floss yeah. on it, you know. Right. And I just right. cut the ends of it off and then glued it to... Uh, there's actually a, a, a top from, I don't know, like some shampoo cap or something like that. And then I just, you know, made it. Dude, it looks, it looks, it's super dude, it looks awesome, man. Show I like the, it. Uh, I love it. Show them the, uh, the, um, the spray can too, because we'll definitely send you, uh, or, or like I said, depending so this on is, you, this is the, the studio. You see what I mean? Like up here, I made that little thing up there to put on top of the building there. So it looks like it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, cool, man. Um, what about the uh, spray can, man? I mean, um, and then the uh, yeah. I call it the city, uh, right the 60 on. ounce. So, this is a, wow. a Montana nine, you know, 94 Montana. Yeah, I see. This yep. is the go, go spray paint that we have. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's a 16 ounce uh, can, and then this right here, of course, is the uh, the city. <laughs> <laughs> and now, is that just a work of art or does it function? Oh no, no, that's just a work of art. I used um, a, um, a, a tube, a mailing tube, and, you know, just chopped it off to where it was the right length. And then I actually used a, a plastic bowl that I had sitting in the, in the, in the garage that, uh, I don't know, I, actually that was in the kitchen. I, I stole it out of the kitchen <laughs> uh, and, and, and cut it up and everything. Aside then, from us. Um, aside from stencils, teacher does a lot of like uh, sculpturing too and things cool. like that too. Right so, on. Uh, like I said, man, um, it's been awesome having you on the show today, man. And it's been a real honor because. Uh, oh, dude, we are like, this, uh, wow, man. Time flies when you're hanging out with someone that's awesome. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you give this, uh, uh, you know, podcast. Dude, you could be like the, the Painted Town podcast historian. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this guy is just I mean, a you, wealth you of lot, information. You got a lot to say, man. I mean, the thing, you know, and I, I think it's pretty awesome and dropping some knowledge on everybody. So, uh, you know, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, you, you know, I, I look forward to getting to know you a little bit better, man. Because right uh, on, brother. Like I said, and um, but yeah, appreciate you, man. Do you have a social media you want to um, drop for the audience, man? I mean, just so they can follow you. Instagram uh, Skilly D on Instagram. Nice, mm -hmm. nice, and uh, yeah, just so just go ahead and follow him on Skilly. Instagram. It's been a huge honor for me today. Uh, I learned a lot from you, and um, I look forward to learning more from you, man. I just really really appreciate your time and you uh hanging out with us today man anytime guys and next time shen i'm gonna get to answer uh because i think that's a good question that you had about well, like like putting away you know when it's time sometimes to put away no, no, let's put aside about, 
Do you want to come oh, back okay. on next time or you want to just keep on going, man? Because we got time for well, you. I just... This is a good topic. It's important. Because okay. I wasn't it's sure important. if you wanted to talk about it, to be 100% honest. I no, was just like, let's bring him on again some there. other time so he has more time to talk about it. You know what I mean? Because that's, okay. I don't want to just which, squeeze which something want... in here, you know? Okay. I, I don't want to leave the audience oh, hanging okay. too, but. Is that cool with you? I want to. I want to talk this guy again sometime, man. Okay. Be, yeah, yeah. You know? no, we'll have you. We'll have you on again, skills. Okay, because like, like I said, I feel like uh, if that's you know, okay just, with you, man. It's cool, man. You. We just touched the surface, man. We've been doing this show for uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know five seasons, man, and uh, you know we, uh, we would love to invite you on as a regular just to come back and keep on dropping knowledge as a. Uh, uh, you know, part of, because for us, a lot of people just think about street art, Banksy, and that's it. You know, they don't really know about the the roots of you know a graffiti and everything like that, and all that stuff is very important to the culture. You know, so uh, yes, uh, thank you so much, Deals, and we'll have you on again, man. Thank so, you guys. Uh, we'll talk next time. All right. Thank, thank you. you guys. Had fun. All right, you guys. Dude, it's Take been care. a great time, man. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. So, all audience, right. Love you guys. Thank Take you guys. care and peace. Peace. Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.